Amen. Last part of that song got to me a little bit. Nail spears, spears shall pierce him through. The cross was born for me and you. What a line. Whew. We are uh, in the second week of Advent this week. We're talking about peace. Talking about what is God's peace and how to get it. What is peace and how to get it will be in John 14. We'll be in a lot of places today, actually. A lot of scripture today. But as far as reading it together, we'll be in John 14 uh, this morning. We've talked already, uh, shown a video about it, everything else, what Advent is. Season of preparation. Advent just means coming, the coming, the coming of the, the, the Lord as the babe, and the coming uh, as the Lord, of the Lord as the victor uh, is the season that we are in, looking forward to Christmas Day. Uh, we looked at hope last week, looking at peace this week. We will look at joy next week, and we will look at love the following week, the last Sunday before Christmas Eve. We will have a Christmas Eve service here, candlelight service, uh, for anyone that is uh, available that, 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 can, that can be here for that. Um, have a candlelight service, a little bit of a traditional type gathering. I, I don't know about you, but I love that part of the holidays. I love the tradition of holidays, the comfort of holidays, the, the comfort of, of things that you've done over and over. It's a reminder that everything is okay, even in the midst of uh, worldly chaos. So uh, we'll be there today. Peace. What is it? How to get it? And we'll be in John 14. As we get uh, to John 14, um, there's a few chapters here in John where it's almost nothing but Jesus talking. If you, if you have a red letter Bible, uh, you know, there's several chapters there where it's almost nothing but red. Um, and so it, it, it's not very much time that takes place during those chapters. It's Jesus really soon before he's about to be crucified and he's given the, the disciples his last bit of reminders, his last bit of talk, his last bit of, hey, this is what it's all about. Hey, this is what's about to happen. I'm telling you now because it's fixing to happen. You don't believe it now, but you'll believe it eventually. You'll get it. Uh, when you see me come back to life, it'll all kind of sink in. Um, so there's a lot being talked about in these chapters. We're kind of jumping right uh, in the middle of it. And Jesus says just, uh, just told them he's just, he, he, that he is going to have to leave, but he's going to send another advocate. That word gets missed a lot, another advocate, because Jesus is also an advocate for us. He's the intermediator between uh, us and God. But he's going to send another advocate, which is the Holy Spirit. That's kind of the context of what he's talking about right when we jump in here in verse 23. So John uh, chapter 14, verse 23, where we're starting today. If you're there, read along with me. It says, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Father will send him in my name, uh, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And in the last verse there, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Wonderful verse. I love that verse. So, again, peace. What is it? What is real peace? God's peace. Actual, true peace. Not what the world says is peace. Not what the world says is okay and good. What is actual, real, 
what we long for deep down in our soul, peace. A couple of words that are mainly used for peace when you look at Scripture. Obviously, in the Old Testament, when you're in the original language, the Hebrew language, uh, the word is shalom. You know, the common saying, uh, shalom elohim, which is peace be with you. Um, that's the way most Jews still to this day greet each other. Uh, looking at that word, shalom, it has a, a lot of meanings when you, when you put the whole encompassing meaning of peace uh, into that word. It's not just the absence of troubles. Lots of times we think of peace as being just the absence of troubles, and that's not really what God's peace is. It's not what the word, even the word shalom means. It's, it's more of a wholeness. It's a completeness. It's, a, it's health. It's safety. Even in the, in the best possible sense of the word, it's prospering. Uh, it, it's, it's more than the absence of turmoil. It's more than the absence of war. Uh, there's, there's this deep, deep sense in the use of the word shalom, uh, of the idea of justice, things, things being made right. It brings the idea uh, of the restoration of creation to justice, truth, and righteousness. The idea of the word shalom, the idea of God's peace, is the idea of bringing restoration, restoring his original creation back to justice, back to truth, back to righteousness. It's more than just the absence of pain or suffering. It's way more than that. It's God making things the way he originally intended things to be. Uh, the Greek word is Irene there. Um, it, in the classical sense of the word, it just meant rest. It, it became to, to mean the same things as shalom when it's used in the, East, uh, in the New Testament. Excuse me. So it expands its meaning to encompass that of what shalom peace is in Scripture. Uh, it's Jesus' peace, uh, this, this reconciling of man to God. That is a big part of what peace means, of what God's peace is. It, scripture says that uh, before the Messiah came, before he made it possible for us to be right with God, that we were enemies of God, that you are an enemy of God, but he, the good news is, he makes you right with him. Jesus made us right with him, a reconciling of man to God. And because of that reconciling of us to God, we have a responsibility of reconciling with each other man to man, mankind to mankind, under Christ. So all of that is encompassing in the English word peace. Um, but Jesus says, not as the world, not as the world's peace, and not given as the world gives peace. So let's kind of dig into that a little bit, okay? World's peace, creation's peace, man's peace, however you want to say it, versus God's peace. We're going to dig into Four different contradictions or four different comparisons, excuse me, between the world's peace and God's peace and what those look like. The first one is resources versus relationship. Resources versus relationship. I've got a scripture for you in Micah 4. It says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways so that we walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Two more verses, verses 3 and 4. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for, for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. This idea of resources versus relationship. What is a a main cause, a main driver behind man's striving, behind man's strife, man to man, nation to nation? What is it? It's about having enough. It's, it's, what, it's what drives us to do. It's what drives us to succeed. We want to have enough, the security of enough. The world says if you just have enough, then you'll have peace, then you'll be okay, then you can just rest and you can relax. God says it's not about your resources. It's about a relationship, a relationship between man and God and man to man. It must be restored in order for this peace to happen. He says there in those scriptures there in Micah, which was a a messianic prophecy to Jesus that that was to come, that weapons of war will become tools of work. Did you catch that in there? Swords beat into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Weapons of war will no longer be necessary once God's peace is fully restored, once his creation is fully made righteous through justice and truth. Again, you won't need weapons of war because war will be unnecessary because resources will abound. And all will be able to rest. They will have what they need. The last verse there, verse 4, they'll have their own vine, they'll have their own fig tree. There won't be a need for striving to get more because you'll have all that you need. In the presence of God, you'll have all that you need. That's why Jesus could say that, that I don't live off bread alone, but off the word of my Father. Because the presence of God gives us all that we need. The world says, if you have enough, you can rest. And you have peace. And we, and we spend a majority, especially as men, we spend a majority of our early years believing that lie. That if we can just have enough, then we can rest. And we can have peace. And, and, and Jesus puts it very simply. He says, you fool. Your life is going to be asked of you tonight. Now what are we going to do with your barn full of hay? Now what all, what, what's all that going to matter now? What about your soul? What about your life? What about, in other words, your relationship with me, is that what is right? Make sure that is right. That's way more important than your resources. God says you can never have enough if you don't have me first. That's the difference in the world's peace and man's peace. Uh, and, and, and then he goes on to say what you have, the encompassing part of verse 4 there, what you have is for each other. Your needs to be met by each other. And that is peace. So, Resources versus relationships. Second thing, who you are versus whose you are. Who you are versus whose you are. Who you are, your status. Who you are in this world. Your, your name, your title, your big important self. The bigger and more important you get, the more you got, and the more you can rest and have peace, even inside. That's what the world tells you. God says it's not who you are, it's whose you are. Who you belong to. Look at another Old Testament uh, prophecy in Zechariah 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. For those of you that are Bible scholars, you'll remember that that's how Jesus came into Jerusalem in his triumphal, in, in, triumphal entry, fulfilling one of the hundreds of 
prophecies that he fulfilled that were written about him hundreds of years before he was even on this earth. Verse 10, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. If you don't have Jesus, you got nothing. Peace comes to those who belong to God. Not because the world says you're special, but because you have faith in Jesus is what it means to belong to God. Another Old Testament scripture in Ezekiel, I will make a covenant of peace with them, them being Israel and then implying those that follow the Messiah. It will be an everlasting covenant. And thank God it is a one-sided covenant that God upholds and God maintains. Thank you, Lord, for that. It says, I will establish them and increase their numbers and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. Who do you belong to? Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a child of God, or are you not? That comes before anything the world offers you to give you peace. Third thing. The world says peace is something you earn. Get enough Be enough, have enough, earn your peace. God says peace is something that is given, given as a gift. Just looking at the scripture that we started with this morning, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace, God's peace, Jesus' peace, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You know what, in John, when Jesus appears to the disciples in the upper room, what's the first thing he says to them when he walks into that room? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Because God is peace. And, and what is peace? It's to be justified. Justified through faith. Faith in Jesus. Look at, look at what it says here in Romans. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God because we have been justified through faith, because without justice, there isn't peace. Without justice, there isn't real peace. The Old Testament talks about that. They call them false prophets. Numerous scriptures that say it, a false prophet is one that proclaims peace when there isn't peace. It's like, it's, it's like when you're with your siblings, when you're young and you have your siblings, and you get into an argument, or they steal your toy, or you, you all have that story where you got whacked, and then you whacked them back, and then you got in trouble for whacking them back, but they didn't get in trouble for whacking you first, right? And then your parents come back and say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Is it okay? No, it's not okay. It's 30 or 40 years later for some of us, and we're still not okay about it. Why? Because there wasn't justice, right? We can fake peace. We can pretend like there's peace, but there's not real peace unless there's justice. And God says that justice for sin is death. (laughs) But God is so good that he took that death upon himself. Now that's good news. God says that we are justified 
through faith. And that not only is peace a gift, that Jesus gave himself as a gift. His life for ours. His death for our death. Our sin for his righteousness. Now that's quite the trade. I'm not very good at negotiating. I'm terrible at it, actually. But that's a trade even I can make. That's not hard to negotiate that. See, my sin, your righteousness. I'm getting the better end of this deal, God. I'm not sure why you even give me a chance. He gives peace through the gift of the Holy Spirit when we receive His truth and righteousness through faith. There is justice with God, but He is such a good and loving God that He paid the price so that we could be justified and brought to peace with Him. That's a good God. That is a good, good God. Last thing, as far as world versus, world's peace versus God's peace. The world's peace is based on circumstance. And we fall into this trap sometimes too. We do. Circumstance. God says it's regardless of circumstance. The world says when things are going good, then you feel good. And when you feel good, everything's okay and you're good and you have peace. God says... In this sinful world, it's always going to be turmoil. But that when you know me, then you know peace. When you know me, you know peace. Continuing in the exact same spot we were in in Romans. So right after he says we're justified by faith and that our hope is in the glory of God. The very next verse, excuse me, verse 3 says, Not only so, not only do we get that justified by faith and the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Tie that with Jesus. He's talking about, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be your hope, the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right? That, and that when you have the Holy Spirit, when you actually are regenerated, born anew, born again, an old school term that we don't say enough anymore, that we need to say more often, born again from the Spirit, born again from God. When we are born again, we are given a peace and a hope that is there regardless of circumstances. We glory in our sufferings. When's the last time you gloried? In your sufferings. I know we've done a lot. And I mean a lot. And I said we, as in you and me, have done a lot of complaining in our sufferings in 2020. We have done a really good job of that. I have, you have, everybody has. And I get it. I get it. The whole mess can be overwhelming at times. But when you're reminded of the truth of God's word in his scripture... That we, should be, that we can and should be glorying in our sufferings. Why? Because it produces in us what is going to ultimately make us feel best, make us live best, make us understand God more. It's going to fulfill us more. It's going to bring us more peace. It's going to keep the peace of God in the forefront of our mind when we remember that anything we go through is just us experiencing what our Savior has already experienced for us. It's just a reminder that Jesus suffered for you and suffered for me. It makes sufferings not only tolerable, but worth it. It makes sufferings not only worth it, but desirable. And that is totally contrary to what the world tells you about sufferings and what the world tells me about sufferings. We do everything we can to avoid as much suffering as possible in this world. 
right? We take pills for pain because we don't want to hurt. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that's an easy correlation, right? Well, if it's hard work, then we want to get somebody else to do it, right? If you, have to, if you have to make the meal, I'd rather pop it in the microwave. I'm really good cook in the microwave. I like that thing. It's awesome, but that's what we want. We want a microwave faith and a microwave life. We want it now, now, now. And God says, no, character, your character is going to take a little bit of time to develop. And sometimes it's going to take you going through something difficult to develop that character, to make you in to who I know you can be, who you should be, who I want you to be, who I created you to be. You're going to have to go through this to get there. You're going to have to go through sufferings to produce perseverance and then to produce character. And that character is going to produce hope. And without hope, it ain't worth it. Going through any of it ain't worth it. We talked about hope last week. If you need a little dose of hope, you can go back and, and, uh, and listen to that. So, a guy that's a whole lot smarter than me, some of you may have heard of him, he's written numerous, and I mean numerous, commentaries. His name's Warren Wiersbe. He puts it like this. He says, we have the Spirit within us, the Savior above us, the word before us, what tremendous resources for peace. That's God's peace. The gift of the Spirit in us, the Savior above us who's ascended and thankfully sent His Spirit back to us, and the word before us reminding us constantly of what it means to follow Jesus, just like that verse we were just looking at, to glory in our sufferings. Because peace, what is it, if you want to put it really succinctly, Peace is order and justice. There was chaos. God brought it to order. Sin brought chaos back. Everything was just. Everything was right. Everything was true. Sin broke that. Made everything unjust, unrighteous, false. Says Satan is the prince of lies, the father of lies, the prince of darkness. Peace, God's peace, brings order and justice. The two go hand in hand. It's not just a restoring of things to not being at war or not being bad. It's also a restoring of things to be made right. It's a positive action. Peace equals order and justice. Here's the way I would say it for us. If you want to get nothing else out of today, okay? If, if you haven't heard anything else today, hear this or, or repeat it and maybe it can stick with us a little bit as we finish out 2020. And I know we all say, man, I'm ready for 2021. Well, who says it's going to be any different? Who says it's going to be any better, right? Just because the December gets here and it's a new year, we think it's going to change. Probably not going to change. Probably going to get worse. There's your, there's your dose of hope. <laughs> dose of reality. <laughs> so we might want to remember this, okay? What is peace? Peace is a gift of God. Peace is a gift of God from being made right with God through the acts of God and received by faith in God. That's what peace is. Peace is a gift of God from being made right with God through the acts of God, not through your acts or mine, through the acts of God, and we receive it as the gift that it is through faith in God. That's how we can sum it up, okay? Now, that is wonderful news. That is good news. That is gospel. That is good news. So then the question is, well, what do we do with that? That is good news. Right? But what do we do with that? Because all, if all we did was learn information when we came in here today, that's great and everything, but that's really not the point. Okay? We're not in a classroom. You're not a student. There's not going to be a test later. It's not about information. 
The students have heard me say this dozens of times. It's not about information. It's about transformation. It's not about learning more. It's about becoming who God wants us to be. So what do we do with that truth, the truth of the peace of God? What do we do with that? First, we go to Philippians. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. One of those ones that sometimes, you, sometimes this verse makes you mad. Don't lie to me. I know it does. But it's truth. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And because you do that, the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace stands guard of your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It's relationship, relationship, relationship. It's relationship. That's what it means. It's relationship. We have to spend time with God in order for the things of God to be and dwelling in our life on a consistent basis. It's not about mindless, rote religion. If you just came here this morning because you have to come to church, then you're getting nothing out of it. Nothing out of it. It's relationship. Thank God that it's relationship and not religion. Religion is dead and meaningless and boring. And God's ways are exciting and adventurous and worth it. About to chase a rabbit there, but I caught myself. <laughs> it's relationship. Okay? We're given the Spirit once for salvation, but we're filled daily for the peace, the power, the presence of God. We're given the gift of the Spirit once and, the, and made at peace with God once for salvation. One time man has to do that, except in faith, the truth of Jesus. Put their faith and trust and hope in action in Jesus. One time you do that for salvation, but in order to daily experience and keep peace and power and the presence of God in front of you consistently, you have to spend time with God. No different than any other relationship, just more important than any other relationship. Another scripture in Romans. Notice how we always come back to Romans? It's, it's there a lot. Paul also says uh, this about the responsibility of peace. Uh, since we have received this gift of peace, we have a responsibility. And uh, Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Now... Jesus says that his word sometimes will cause division. Will cause father to turn against son and brother to turn against brother. Brother. So what is the difference between doing every effort we can, make every effort we can that leads to peace and mutual edification and sometimes it's going to lead to division? Is that, is that contradictory? Not even close. Not even close to contradictory. You, in other words, Here's what you do. You sacrifice everything, everything to maintain peace except for truth. You give up your ego. You give up your right to be right. You admit wrongdoings. You ask for forgiveness. You give forgiveness. 
You do everything possible under the sun to maintain peace and to edify, to build each other up in Christ, His church. That's what we should be doing, except for truth. You don't sacrifice truth for anything or anyone at any time because without justice, there's not peace. Without truth, there's not justice. So, what do we do with this peace of God? What do we do? We have to be continually putting it in the forefront of our mind. Daily. I don't know about you, but I forget often. I need to be reminded of things often. My wife can certainly attest to that. Okay? So we need to be putting that in front of us daily. And then we need to put the peace, or another way we say it in church, the unity which Stuart preached on recently, the unity of the church above everything except for truth. Maintain peace. Do whatever it takes. Make peace. Forgive. Admit wrongdoing. Make peace. So we can sum it up all in one statement. Okay, One big, long statement. This is what we need to get before we get out of here today. Okay, Peace is a gift of God from being made right with God through the acts of God, received by faith in God, in order that we might share truth of God so that others will know the peace of God. We have a big, fancy church word for that called evangelism. Evangelism is not learning a secret formula to get someone to be bought into whatever it is that you think you're bought into. That's not evangelism. Evangelism is knowing God knowing what He's done for you, being transformed by what He's done to you, and then that inevitably affecting those around you. It can't help but affect those around you. And why would we want to do that? Why would we want to do that? Because we want to... Do you want more peace in the world or not? Do you want 2021 to be worse than 2020 or do you want it to be better? Well, you can bring a little more order and a little more justice Therefore, a little more peace to the world around you by how you live. You share the truth of God so others can know the peace of God. If the, the church, if we will be peacemakers, then we can make things better around us. Understand, anything God tells us to do makes things better. I don't know why we don't believe that. We say we believe it, but I don't, know, I don't know why we don't believe it in a way that we actually do it consistently. Anything God tells us to do makes things better. So if he tells us to make peace, then it's going to make things better. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, Blessed are the peacemakers. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Not blessed are those who bring war. Not blessed are those who, who are constantly belligerent. And a pain in the rear end. Sorry. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who set their ego aside to make things better for those around them. Blessed are the peacemakers. Make peace at all costs up to the point of sacrificing truth. And then remember the good news. Here's the good news. Strife shall end for the whole world. When Jesus returns, strife shall end. It's coming. That's our hope. 
We have peace with God right now, but we will have peace in all existence when Jesus comes and returns again. So today, as we finish, today put your faith in Jesus if you have not because you can't have the peace of God until you are at peace with God. I'll say that one more time. Today, if you are here and you have not put your faith, which I define very simply as your trust, hope, belief, and action. Put your faith in Jesus. Today, if you haven't ever done that, put your faith in Jesus because you cannot, will not, won't ever get, won't ever have the peace of God until you are made peace at peace with God. And the only way to be made at peace with God is to accept what He has done to make peace between you and I. So, we're done for today. We're going to have a song. Things you can do during this song. You can come down and pray. That's not weird. That's actually a a very normal response to hearing the Word of God. is to pray to Him. And physically getting up out of your pew and coming down here and kneeling down puts you in a physical posture to be able to communicate better spiritually. It's just the way it is. I can't explain it. I don't know. That's the way it is. So you can pray during this time. You can sing this song during this time. It's a wonderful song. It's my grandmother's favorite hymn, and I'll probably cry as we sing it because of that and because of the truth that's in it. Or if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then come be made at peace with God and experience that so that regardless of whatever is going on in your life, even in 2020, when it seems like it is impossible to experience peace, you can have peace. You can glory in your sufferings because you know it's going to produce in you what God wants to produce in you. Be made at peace with God. I'll pray for us and then we will finish up with that song and then we've got a couple of reminders to remind you of after that song. Lord, we come to you today, we thank you, God, that we can be made at peace with you, God. And that uh, even, even in this world, this chaotic, unjust, unrighteous, oppressive, exploitive world, God, that we can still experience that peace even in that, God. And I pray that you would spiritually kick us in the rear end and get us going to bring peace to the world around us as much as we can, God, to bring truth and justice, to bring shalom, to bring peace to the world around us, God, not so that we can just sit back and relax, but so that you can be glorified and that we can be made into who and what you created us to be and for. We thank you for Jesus and the, and the price that he willingly accepted and paid on our part, on behalf of us, so that we could be made right with you, God, so that we could be justified and made at peace with you, God. We thank you for that truth this morning. I thank you personally for that reminder uh, this week as as getting ready uh, for Sunday, God. Just thank you for the reminder of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, to be a child of God. The hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that is experienced in knowing you. We thank you and we love you and we pray that if there's anyone here today that has not experienced salvation because they have placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation for whoever that may be, Lord. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.